Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Welcome to Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. My name is Alina DeLisser, and here with me today is Germantown native son, Walt King. Uh, Walt is an emerging real estate developer here in Germantown and a graduate of the Jumpstart Germantown Real Estate Program. Um, we haven't talked about this before on this show, but Jumpstart Germantown is a successful community development program that combines slow, steady growth, scattered site rehab of properties, and um, it also is pushing uh, profitable and successful commercial real estate development and affordable market rate housing redevelopment. So Jumpstart was created a couple of years ago by Ken uh, Weinstein. Uh, He's president of Philly Office Retail, and it was uh, designed to reduce blight and increase investment in our community. Uh, Ken believes that offering opportunities for local entrepreneurs, people like Walt, uh, we can keep our wealth local here in the neighborhood. And with Jumpstart, everyone wins, from aspiring developers to longtime residents to other community partners who can all benefit from additional investment in the neighborhood. So that's a little bit of background, a little bit of context. And um, let me tell you a little more about Walt. Walt grew up in Germantown, and you could say that he was destined uh, to be in real estate development. His mom is an architect. His dad is a general contractor. And um, you could say it's in his DNA. He's always known that he wanted to work in the realm of real estate. But he took a little bit of a circuitous journey to get to where he is today. So he's going to talk to a little bit talk to us a little bit about that. It's really very fascinating story. Some of you in the neighborhood are probably seeing one of uh, Walt's current projects, and he's going to talk to us more about that. So Walt, welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So how'd you get hooked into real estate? Talk a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, um, my mom is an architect. My dad's a contractor. I kind of grew up on a job site, more or less. Grew up doing manual labor. I'd say my early on, my first job was we had a landscaping business, my brother and I cutting lawns. And from a very early stage, like all our best customers were, I didn't realize it at the time, it was all around Germantown. And they would be these people who would have, you know, these kind of multi-unit buildings scattered about. And so we would... They all be kind of eventually became our mentors and our our investors in our real estate business and the kind of people who we looked up to in in the industry by, you know, just kind of being people we looked up to. So where'd you where'd you ac- actually grow up in Germantown? What street? So I grew up on it, it's it's quasi Germantown. Okay. We, we grew up in uh, Bluebell Hill. So oh it's, okay. Uh, it's oh right yeah. Across the Walnut Lane Bridge there, but you know, we, so yeah, been just been in the neighborhood for. I uh, went to Project Learn, which is right on, you know, right on Germantown Avenue, and went to Central High School down in, 
on Ogans and Olney. So, and it just has really been. So we, I went to I went to college and I moved back and I lived in South Philly for a long time. And as we talked about before, my kind of my real estate career kind of started there. I was like 24, 25. I'm 31 now. Um, I was 20, 20, 24 and 25. And when I got started in real estate, I just kind of wanted something to, to do, more or less. I was just kind of just on the weekends. It's like, man, I'm just not I'm not really uh, spending my time the way I want to be spending okay. it. And mm-hmm. kind of buying a real estate project seemed like a way to get my, my parents involved and kind of spend more time with them. So we uh, we bought a just a real fixer upper total gut rehab in on Pashunk Avenue in South Philly, and that was really the, the, the kind of the start for me. Okay. So we started in we started in South Philly, uh, doing a couple you know kind of fix and flip projects, and as we talked about before, um, I was at that time had a had a full time job, so I was just doing it on the weekends. It was basically okay. seven days a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, just working just. Saturday and Sunday for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. Wow. Um, just trying to get projects done with, and my dad would be there. My mom would be the architect. Friends would help out. So it was just, and it was fun. Like we had a great time doing it. And, you know, for better or for worse, like every Sunday night dinner, like that's what we talk about. We put plans up on the, on the wall and then, you know, we like just, just talk about real wow. estate projects. And how I got back to Germantown was I, at at one time, just realized like you know, kind of wanted to spend my my full time doing real estate development, and but I had a, I had a, a good career and it was engaging and it was fun. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I needed to make um, a real shift. I needed to kind of make a a drastic change in order for uh, to kind of break the the chains of a full time job and, and and being in the office. So it's like you knew you were destined for something more. <laughs> I I just, I just just seemed like I needed a I needed a real shift. So. I, w- when I was 28, I left. Um, I, something I always wanted to do was go work on a fishing boat in Alaska in the Bering Sea. Wow. So, uh, where did that come from? Where did that uh, dream come from? I, I don't know. Too much, too much like uh, Discovery Channel when oh. I was a kid. I don't know. <laughs> so, so that it, it, actually something since I was 17, 18 years old, just so I wanted to get out. It just seemed like the biggest kind of adventure I could have. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now so if I'm not if I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? So you you quit your job here quit my in Philadelphia. Job in Philadelphia and... um, rented all the properties. You know, I had a property manager here while okay. I was gone, and I went to Alaska for six months. So that was kind of my break from kind of the doing it part time on the weekends. Um, the idea was when I would come back to Philadelphia, the kind of real estate would be my full time gig. So that was a great experience, and I think, you know, just kind of got me out of the. You you have no phone, you have no internet, you're just on a boat, and you know, kind of got me out of the grind that I was kind of currently in. And I got back in 2017 to back to Philadelphia, and I knew then that real real estate was kind of what I wanted to spend mm-hmm. my time doing. Mm-hmm. And after that fact, it was like I was, I was. That's when I really started to look in Germantown kind of full time. So, also, mom and dad live here, so it's a good oh, place okay. to crash. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that always helps. Right. That always helps. So you're a, a jumpstart Germantown success story. You went through the program in 2017, I believe. Is that right? 2017. Okay. Yeah. I think right when I got back. Okay. And um, I believe to date you have received the largest loan so far from the organization. Sure Ken's listening, you know. <laughs> I'm still working on it, Ken. Okay. <laughs> well, he knows he knows where you live, right? right so he does. Um, so, were you aware of? Um, how did you hear about Jumpstart Germantown? How did you get hooked into kind it? Kind of a circuitous route. Um, I went to college with another Jumpstart gra- uh, graduate who ended up in the Philadelphia area, and she actually was the first. I think she was the first Jumpstart loan 
in in the whole process. So when I was starting, you know, we, we kind of talk from time to time about real estate. And she mentioned, hey, there's this really cool program in, in Germantown. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned, I'm looking in Germantown for different projects. So she was actually, she was the one who kind of linked me into it. Her name is Gabby. Um, and maybe she'll be on the program. Yeah, I think we're going to have her on the program later in the spring. Right. So, so she's, that's how I found out about it. And it, it took me a couple tries, actually. You know, we, I guess is the way the timing as or? real estate goes. Okay. We just, we put in a couple applications and for various reasons, either, you know, they just, the deals didn't go through. So I think this oh, okay. was our, our fourth try through the Jumpstart program to, to, to get a property. I mean, with your background and with your, you know, family support and family resources, why did you feel the need to participate or be affiliated with a program like Jumpstart? I mean, you had I mean, the... You can, never, you can never learn enough. And I, it, Ken's, uh, uh, the, the program, just, I, it, it, you guys, it, I think it's, it's even, it's grown more now, but it just has a great energy to it. And like what we're doing today is like really pretty amazing. So I think that there's just some gravity to the program itself and you just want to be a part of it. You want to show up. Um, you want to kind of, and it's, it's this culture of kind of sharing um, and, and just trying to like lift up a, you know, a community and into doing what we can do. So I think that was a big part of it. And it's always the, the way the program is laid out, kind of touching on all aspects, especially if you want to invest in a neighborhood. I mean, as everybody says, you know, real estate is local and it was just a great way to, and I've met a, so many of like my peers through the program who, you know, we're walking through, I can't tell you how many times I'm in the Home Depot up on Washington Avenue, and it's like there's 16 Jumpstart <laughs> and graduates him. Yeah. Uh, all there, and it's yeah. just like a little reunion on a Saturday morning. Um, so it's just, a, it was great. just a, I mean, it was, it was a learning exercise. It was a way to network in the community. Um, it's just the, the, the whole vibe, and you, whenever you go to a Jumpstart event, it's just all about sharing. Everybody's just a very positive program, and I give Ken and the team at uh, Philly Office Retail just like, a lot of credit for putting, I think it's, when you talk, I think it surprised them even how, how it, just how it's turned out, but it's really just turned into a great program. That's great. That's great. So um, talk to us a little bit about your current project, your marquee project, um, the loan that you received for your current project. Um, tell us the exact location sure. and what the the parcel of land consists of, because it, it truly is mixed use. It truly is. A, it's really three buildings. So the, the story for that project was when I was looking in Germantown, I was looking for just a place to live. So I was looking, I, I had do a, some house hacking. Right. So I was doing, I basically wanted a garage. I mean, I'm a, I, I am a contractor. So I basically wanted was looking for a garage. And my idea was, um, I was going to build a house, like a, like a kind of a cool, small, functional house on top on of, top of it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was talking to my real estate agent at the time. I said, you know, that's what I want to look for. So I got a call, um, that said, Hey, I think I found a property that you might be interested in it's off market like it's just in our it's in our office and you don't have to build a house there's already a house on top of a garage it's like okay and he sent us some pictures and that this is a property at 5901 wayne avenue which is the corner of wayne and rittenhouse um so it, it all kind of happened pretty quickly so this it was the german old germantown auto supply building and which had been vacant for years been, looked vacant oh okay. was actually an operating business but i don't oh. think anybody really went wow. in there very often okay <laughs> um yeah we still actually get from time to time people pop in and like is the is the, is the you know is the auto parts store still here i'm like look around okay like, yeah i don't think so um so the so that's so that's kind of how it all came about when you know and it was it was certainly a much bigger project i think the building you include like basements and stuff like that is like a little over 10,000 square feet. So it's a, it was definitely a, by far our biggest project from going from single family 
you know, row homes in South Philly, which, you know, they all kind of look the same. They all kind of have a cookie cutter. A cookie cutter. It's a template. It's a right. template. Mm-hmm. So we could just, you know, we, we had a program. We, like, it was quick for us to kind of go and, and, and do those row home projects. And you could really manage the, ex- the costs. And you could manage you costs. you knew, you knew, and, yeah. Right. And this building was had a ton of deferred maintenance. I mean, it was just really uh, more run even run down than I guess we initially thought. But it just needed a ton of work, and it was a much bigger project. But I think what really, what really drew us to it, um, I think having that architecture background, it was just that the commercial space um, where it's the, the true corner of Wayne and Rittenhouse, uh, it doesn't look that kind of impressive from the street, but when you walk in there, it just gives you like it, it's kind of a transform. It's a it, it transforms like your your feelings. Like it's uh, like when you walk into 30th Street Station or just a kind of a grand space. Mm. It kind of it, it has an impact on on like your emotional state. And like the first time I walked in there, I was just kind of blown away by you know 14 foot ceilings, exposed steel, 30 feet wide. It just was like really open, and you could see. Or at least I thought there was a lot of potential, and and the buildings that I like the most are those kind of adaptive reuse projects that take something old and interesting and kind of repurpose it for right. today. And those are the buildings that I find most interesting. Right. So this kind of gave me us an opportunity to to do that work. Well, I mean, you're really on trend with this project because, um, and and you're a millennial, but the uh, the live work play concept. Right. You know, a lot of people want to live, work, and play in the neighborhood um, where they live. You know, this whole idea of having the hour-long commute, you know, from the suburbs into the city. I mean, a lot of people are pushing against that. So um, this idea that this project that you're developing, it has the residential part of it. It has the retail part of it. Break it down for us a little bit more in terms of like the three components sure. of of this project. And do you have a name for the for the retail, the coffee shop part of it yet? Or I, I mean, not not, not particularly. Yet. Okay. Um, so the, yeah, the building is a it's a tri, it was a it's really three separate buildings okay. more or less. So there was a in 1880 kind of at the same time a lot of these Victorian homes were going up in Germantown as kind of the the suburbs for the you know for Philadelphia as the train line was being built. A lot I think it was it's Houston and. Can't remember that in Woodward are the two developers of Germantown. So one was the developing the, tr- the train lines, and another were you know the the housing developer. So I think this house was actually originally built by the original Victorian was built by I can't either Woodward or Houston. I can't remember which one. And um, so that was kind of the initial structure that was there. Then at some point, which is kind of the most confusing thing, is we can't find kind of records of that of the coffee shop or the old Germantown Auto Supply building. Our guess is that building was built sometime in the like the 1930s, kind of pre-World War II, because there was quite a bit of steel in that building, so it probably didn't happen after the oh, fact. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that was kind of the second structure, and the, the kind of the most bizarre, I've never seen a building like this before, they, they actually built that building underneath the house. So they, they somehow supported all the foundation walls and, and everything else and dug out about 30 feet of of dirt underneath the house and put these big steel columns in it incredible. to support the, the existing house. Yeah, because from the street, it, look, it just looks like it's just one level. Right. So I just, you know, something you would never, ever build today or, uh, you know, just the cost would be, uh, it would be astronomical. So that was kind of the second building that was built. And then the, the third building that was built was just the garage building in the back up Rittenhouse Street. That was uh, sometime in the 60s. Since the, the same, the, the people who, um, the family that owned the garage or the auto parts store, constructed that building as extra storage sometime in the 60s. So today, the the way that kind of layout, there's there's three units that was rezoned as a, as a triplex, uh, the the house at some point. So those units all got updated and were kind of completing the, the 
as close as we can get to kind of historical preservation type of rehab to the exterior of that pro of that building. The coffee shop, which is I think is out there, it's going to be an Ultimo Coffee on the corner, which is really exciting. We can talk more about kind of how that happened. Um, there's a small office behind Ultimo, and then the back is uh, is going to be a kind of a bicycle assembly shop and bikes a uh, bike shops, which is, is also pretty cool. So they're they they have an existing called Cycle PHL. There's they have a shop on 17th and Susquehanna an hour. Okay. And instead of Germantown Auto Supply, it's going to be Germantown Bike Supply. Which oh, is cool. cool! That so, is great. That's really great. We got really I think we got really fortunate with our mix of tenants. We're pretty excited about it. So um so yeah so what do you look for? We'll we'll go back. Uh, we'll dive deeper into this current project, but just broadly, what do you look for? Um, in a property, like right. if you know, for your next project, what are you going to look for? What are the attributes or the characteristics? You know, how, how, what do you look for? Right. I mean, I, like anybody in real, in order to have an impact and 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 kind of continue doing what you're doing, it has to make kind of sense on paper, right? That's the first thing. I went to school for finance. Like you know, the first thing you always do is you, you take put your like the aesthetics blinders off and think about and put the how cool you think the project would be. You kind of put that aside. And, you know, look at an Excel spreadsheet and say, is this, is this project going to work? Does it make sense? Yeah. And Jumpstart's got great, you know, tools for that. And there's great resources online from like Bigger Pockets and other other resources that can, you can kind of, you know, put your cost and, and put the cash flow in there and, and see if it, it makes sense from, from that perspective. So you kind of have to have that view in order to stay in business, right? You can want to do all sorts of projects, but if it doesn't make sense, then you won't be in business very long. So that's kind of the, the first lens you have to put on any project. Um, and I, the reason, one of the reasons I really like Germantown is that there's kind of some bigger multifamily, like we started in single doing kind of higher end renovations in South Philly. We would either rent them, we would mostly start renting them. And, you know, we, we were, this is the, we were on the too high end on the, mar, on the, uh, rental market. We were, and it just, people would be there for, you know, a year and move out and buy another house. And I like Germantown because it's like a very stable kind of neighborhood and the renters seem to you know kind of be here for a long time and really care about the units that they're that they're renting so we own, we own some we own 17 units now in germantown and some of our tenants have been in the buildings for you know for 10 years plus and that's uh i think that just helps everybody like i, I we have great relationships with the with the people in our buildings they care about the buildings and it's just a it's a it's a better relationship and kind of you know people moving cycling in, through moving yeah. into philadelphia transitory yeah, yeah right being here for a year and, and continuing right. to kind of move right. out so so when you say we is it you and your brother or is it so yeah the the owners we have a the first house we built was on juniper street so we started a, a, a our real estate company is called juniper street partners llc so it's the it's myself it's a great name Myself, my mom, my dad, and my brother. Oh, cool! That's great. That's fantastic. So they all have full time jobs. So, but you're doing this full time. This is yes. I, I we can we can talk about a little bit of that more. I uh, since since this project is wrapped up, I do take some consulting projects um, back for what I used to do, just to kind of keep you know keep cash coming in the door. Okay. But so this is yeah, this is mostly my full time job. Okay. Now. So um so with your current uh, mixed uh, mixed use project. On on Wayne, um, there've been a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Yeah. Um, can you kind of uh, revisit? Hopefully, it's not going to be too painful. But um, some of the some of the challenges. No, I think it turned out well. It's not, it turned it's, out it's really. Ne it's never too painful when, okay. the, when the end result when you, you know, yeah. is okay. And so you can look back. You can look back and say, "Oh, this is kind of a good story." So yeah, when, when we the initial plan for that building was and, and kind of how we uh, convinced 
Ken and Jumpstart to, to lend us the money to do it was a, was a co-working space. I've been involved with um, another co-working space in, in, in Chestnut Hill. So I kind of oh with Chris Plant. I wasn't wasn't Chris Plant. Oh, okay. It was a it was my the company the company I used to work for bought a building that actually very similar to, to uh, the building we own now it was originally designed as a grocery store and then it was uh, converted into office space and they had some success with but kind of before the kind of co working model was kind of became the cool kind of mm-hmm. hip thing to do they mm-hmm. were they were doing that and having success with it so I kind of I had an idea that that was could work. So that was kind of that was our initial kind of models that we put forward in our initial concept, and then of course we would be out there talking to people about what we were doing, and it just came about that there was a woman in the neighborhood who wanted to open a coffee shop business, and to note this this building was not not zoned commercially, so it's kind of important. The plan going in um, was important because you had to, we had to go re go through zoning to to whatever. So uses. even though there had been a, a supply store there, right? So that was a. You they know, had been grandfathered they in. Had been or grandfathered oh, okay. in. So like yeah, from a zoning perspective, you can have a commercial like you can have commercial zoning for a, a, a building, or you can have a, a variance, which is just variances are much more limited in their scope. So they'll say, you know, if you look at like if you have commercial zoning every a lot many uses many commercial uses are then allowed under a commercial zoning mm. but if you have a variance it's a, a specific use so it goes if you much more specific um, and it's so in our in our uh, context it was very important to kind of get it right going into it because zoning process is 6 to 9 months you have to hire lawyers it's expensive and if you you know if you you know you get it wrong and then you have to go rego through that process again obviously that's that's pretty painful but so the initial concept was um, a co-working space. We there was somebody from the neighborhood who wanted to open up a coffee shop, and like that's a perfect synergistic use. So of course we, um, you know, we, we kind of saw that through. She, she was she was really awesome. She wanted, actually also wanted to open up a uh, coffee roasting business as well oh. in the garage building. So that just seemed like a yeah, really neat great. use as yeah. well. So that that really so our zoning application like she was involved in the project for many many months. Um, and leading up to basically when we had to go to our zoning hearing and, uh, at the, like kind of the last minute, I think of the day or two before we were scheduled to go down to, to, uh, the zoning board of adjustments, you know, we got a call just saying like, you know, this is just a little too much. Um, and you know, we need to, we need to remove ourselves from the project. So that's obviously like, okay, you know, you got to readjust and you got to... And you're like nine months into you're this. You're nine months in, you're... And you've already started the build out. I mean, you've started the renovation Started and... the renovation. We, we were still in like structural okay. kind of work. So okay. we, we had, didn't get too far ahead there. But it's just, you know, just like, just from a time perspective, you know, it's like, then you got to, okay, what are we going to, how are we going to figure this out? Um, and just the most serendipitous thing happened, you know, we, you, you kind of... You go into crisis mode a little bit, and you can, you can, okay, like we'll we'll figure this out. This is a cool space. Like we'll we'll try to find another coffee shop tenant. Just got to grind and put it out there and see what can happen. So not 24 hours later, I woke up in the morning, and actually it kind of came about in a funny way. Uh, the, my zoning lawyer got a, a voicemail from a number from Russia, and he for, he for, he forwarded it. To, he forwarded it. He said, "Hey, like there's there's somebody like interested in the space on the corner," and played the message, and it was uh, this. Some one of their agents or said, so, so, you know, I have a, I'm representing a commercial tenant who's kind of interested in your building. Like, give me a call back, kind of just very vague. Mm-hmm. So gave him a call back, and it turned out to be uh, the, the current tenant now, Ultimo Coffee. So just like, just totally lucky, and uh, the universe was certainly, I don't know, looking favorably mm-hmm. on me on mm-hmm. us that day. 
So just it turned out that the folks from and I'm I'm from South Philly. We're not from South Philly, but I live in South Philly for seven years, very close to the original Ultimo Coffee on Fifteenth and Mifflin. So that was like my local coffee shop when I lived down there. So it's like this is that's like the perfect tenant. Um, and it just turned out that the it's a husband and wife team, Elizabeth and Aaron, who moved out to Germantown a couple years ago um, from South Philadelphia and to, to send their kids to the Waldorf school. So the, they had, you know, kind of walking by the building, taking their kids to school in the morning and decided, wonder what's up with that building? That would be a cool spot to open up our Germantown cafe. So that's kind of how it started. You know, that's just very, a very lucky. That's uh, great. A, kind of series of events. That's great. That's great. So when, when that moment happened where the lady, the, the first lady backed out, um, did you, I mean, for that 24-hour period where there was like a big question mark, what, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? Did, did doubt creep in? Did you, I mean, how, can, can you go you back to that moment? Yeah, you kind of got to go, I think you just have to kind of position yourself as just like, we'll figure it out. Okay. You have to have trust in the fact that, you know, like this is hard and, you know, things happen. And I think if you get too kind of wound up in the, if you let kind of doubt creep in too much, mm-hmm. that's when this job becomes too challenging. And it's like, why are you putting yourself through all this kind of emotional distress Right. Uh, to, it's just not worth it. So I think we always, or maybe it's like, you're just telling yourself, it's like uh, fake it till you make it. You know, you kind of got to tell yourself like, it's, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, mm-hmm. Gonna, we're, we're savvy enough. We're going to figure this out. Like we're going to work hard enough to, to make it work. And also like, what choice do you have? You know, like there's kind of, you know, you're, you're already so invested in the project. Um, even if you have to pivot and do something else, like you're going to figure it out because at the end of the day, you don't have another, you don't have another choice. Right. Right. But also you, you had the, the, you had the confidence that, um, I mean, your gut was telling you that there's, there was something there. I mean, that you, you have a great location. It's a great concept. Um, it's just a matter of finding, it was just a matter of finding the right tenant. Right. Right. The space. And that kind of comes back to the 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 original idea Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't know where that comes from, the kind of having a vision for seeing a space that's like really kind of run down and just, you know, initially seeing like this could be really something special. You know, where that comes from, I, you don't know, but just like a, you have a gut feeling when you walk into a building, like you can look past the, the you know, the rotting roof and the, all the <laughs> joists being covered in mildew and mold and water problems everywhere. And you can kind of look past all that and say like this, this space could be, could be something really really interesting and, and would be a great asset for the community. And I think we always had that confidence that the space would, would sell itself. And, and, you know, it turned out that that kind of, that intuition was, was, was correct. So. so since that time, um, the project has moved on and you're, you're continuing to, to, to develop it. Where do things currently stand? When, when can the community um, right. expect big, to come big, by? I get this question all the time. Uh, what's the holdup with the coffee shop? I have to say this about, you know, commercial construction, and it's my, my first kind of foray into to doing commercial development, is that it's, it's just, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work and it takes time and there's a lot more kind of steps to it. Going through zoning, going, uh, the whole commercial lease process, I mean, you know, they're, they're investing. Yeah, talk a little bit about that, that it's not just a matter of, you know, getting a regular tenant in right. and so running their know, credit the, check. Right, exactly. So, I mean, commercial leasing is a, is a whole nother ball game. And I'm glad, again, that Ken and, and Jumpstart kind of had the, the faith in, in us as a team to kind of pull it off and, and learn on the fly, more or less. When They, they supported us whenever uh, we needed support, but, you know, you're, you still got to figure it out at the end of the day. 
Um, so that commercial tenants, I mean, the way it usually works is you give them a, a drywall box and they do their own fit out. So in order to, for that to kind of work, they want to sign long-term leases because, you know, they're going to invest. Five years, 10 years. Five, 10. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's a, you know, a, yeah, it's, it could be up to a 25-year lease for the coffee shop. So the because they're investing so much, you know, into your space that they want to feel like, you know, you don't it's want to have a one-year yeah. lease and say, you know, thanks for putting all this money in the in the space, you know, get, get out. out. Right. Um, <laughs> and I'll take, and, and you inherit as the landlord all the upgrades to the space. Which is a great, also a great thing about commercial real estate investing, but it takes a lot of time, and it's like there's a there's lawyers involved again on the commercial. It's not just like something you can pull off the internet, like a draft lease, and, and just kind of go with it. It's it takes a lot of negotiation. There's lawyers involved. You know, it's a substantial amount of capital uh, on both sides, kind of going into it. So there's risk, and then uh, so it's just it was a whole learning process, kind of from the start. Um, and it, again, that also took time you know it takes it takes months to kind of or for us it did it took Mm -hmm. months to kind of negotiate that lease process um so not to put too fine a point on it i mean summer summer of 2019 oh oh, so when's it gonna open (laughs) i forgot the original question yeah when can we when can we have a cup of coffee they're gonna open in march okay great is the the word that they're saying so i mean it's it's very very fluid It's it's fluid it's very close at this point so you know the final touches are going in there Health department plan is approved, okay. so all the kind of the major check boxes are are checked. Okay, um, it's just a matter of, you know, again, it's just a lot of a lot of little pieces. You know, we're kind of in that punchless mode where mm. you know it's like got to put the lights up and got to get the paint on, but it's it's everything is there. Okay, and it's just a matter of of getting it installed and making it kind of clean it up and making it. Look and great. the cycle shop when when's that going to open? A little later. Okay, um, probably sometime late spring or okay. summer. Okay, great. So ultimately, your plan is to um, own the own the property, right? You're not developing it with the intention of once the businesses are in place to sell it. Definitely not. Okay, you're gonna okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. After all that work, work. two years. You want to right? And that doesn't say I mean that's that's the business. You know, you have to put the work in. And if it, the plan was to sell it, it's it's first of all hard to kind of find buyers for kind of unique buildings like okay. this to, mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, certainly my idea in real estate is like I, I don't think I want to be. You know, the biggest real estate developer in Philadelphia, that's not really my my goal. My goal is just to have some, some assets or some, some properties that I, f- I really think are have a big impact on the community, are, are high quality, and provide a nice, you know, cash flow that I can, you know, kind of mm-hmm. have more time to, mm-hmm. to do what I want to do. So it's, I would say, you know, it's like put the work in now to, you know, provide a lifestyle in the next couple of years that I have more free time to kind of do either more. I'd probably always be in real estate. So just really have more time to do projects that I think are really That you really care about and love. Really yeah. Um, if you're comfortable talking about it, can you talk a little bit about the, the, the financing and the money behind it? How, how, how yeah. much are you in all in sure. for the um, acquisition and the rehab? And yeah, well, everybody always gets like funny about this topic, but Acquisition pricing. There's a way to do it. Most of the time, you can just figure. Find it's very easy to go online and just like do a quick search and figure out how much you bought the property for. So, of course, I'm open to sharing. So, uh, we bought the building for three hundred and seventy thousand dollars, which included you know all of it. Which you know debatable at this point whether that was a a good or bad. At the time, I thought it was um, for the amount of square footage made a lot of sense. Um, with, you know, looking at how much revenue could be generated on the backside. So, and then the, lo- the jumpstart loan is a little over half a million dollars. Um, and that included some acquisition, fine, like 
cost as well. Uh, and then probably all in, we'll, you know, there'll be between the, the, the capital that we've put into the building above the jumpstart loan, if you include kind of the, the fit out work that the tenants are going to do. I mean, there's, there's over a million dollars of investment in that corner, um, which is pretty, pretty incredible when you think about it. Uh, and it, or also incredible to think how much work it takes to, right, kind, of, to right. kind of fix and fix these old buildings. But right. It'll be you know, over a million dollars of investment on the corner. When you're and, and this is the sort of thing where like, I mean, you know, to go back to the jumpstart uh, Germantown connection, um, you know, a conventional bank, you, right. you, you and I were talking about this uh, before that, you know, to, to get the construction loan and the, um, you know, the acquisition money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's just dealing with a conventional bank. It's like, huh, excuse me. Yeah, I, I think a conventional bank would have ran for the hills Yeah, they would have been, one. yeah, um, sweaty palms. And I, I wouldn't have blamed them. So certainly the way the way that Jumpstart is set up, I mean, you know, their, their original DNA is developers. So they kind of understand the type of capital that developers need. And, you know, so many times that we're stuck where we either have to buy – when you're buying distressed properties, you cannot get a conventional loan for that. Right, right. So you're either stuck buying cash for, or you know, looking looking for hard money lenders, somebody who's going to you know, twelve to sixteen percent interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's plenty of that yeah. type of uh, capital available, and there's probably more than there yeah, ever that has can, been. That can cripple you before you even get out right. the starting and then, gate. And then you know, if you if you hit delays in the project, it's you know, they can be very. Uh, really penalize you for kind of taking more time than you originally thought. Excuse me. Um, so it's, uh, so that the type of capital that Ken provides is, is just really conducive to, 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 to developers to, yeah. to developers and, and local developers. Exactly. So um, definitely couldn't have done it without, without jumpstart. So let's talk a little bit about the community. What's been the reaction from people in the neighborhood? Um, I mean, you, you grew up in the Parking. area. No, <laughs> that's 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 a big concern the parking situation i think that corner in particular was uh you know just not a productive corner for a long time so even going through the zoning process i tried to very early on kind of engage the local community and kind of let them know what our plans were and kind of get feedback so and i think also being from the neighborhood and um, and you live and, you and live I, in the I neighborhood live, i yeah. live in that building right uh and that kind of takes a lot of like my interests are aligned with the interests of the community. Like I am part of the community, so I think that takes a lot away from um, just the the kind of mistrust that is. Uh, it's very easy to understand for kind of developers coming in and just trying to make a dollar off you know, you know, off something that's going to have a real impact on your life. So, a coffee shop and a bike shop. I think, you know, those are both uses that uh, hopefully the, that are neighborhood assets and. You know, our hope is that obviously the community embraces them and they become kind of fixtures in the community. And I think that's whatever that's what certainly what Ultimo would want to see happen. Um, so, but you've been big on communicating been, and yeah, being... I could do better. I'm not like a big social media person, so I, I mean that's maybe one I could communicate probably better through social media. Um, it's just not something that I that I do. But certainly from like an engagement perspective early on like we've we've really tried to be inclusive and then let people know what's up so the the feedback is from the community has been 99.9 percent just like really awesome yeah i get get emails like when are you opening when are you opening that's great like that's great a cup of coffee great as opposed to not in my backyard not in my backyard there was some (laughs) i mean there was definitely some concerns about parking uh going through the zoning process and i think that's Certainly inevitable, and I have a lot of theories on parking, which we don't have to get into. But it's like every development has 
that al- that always comes up. Right, right. Um, so what would you say, um, what's something you believed earlier in your real estate career, um, but you think about differently now? Right. I think the biggest thing is, so we talked about the kind of the background and having an architect and a, and a contractor for a dad, and I have a finance degree. So on paper, like all the, you can kind of check all the boxes, right? We have our contractor's license in the city. Uh, so that's huge. We, we started out doing like really, truly everything ourselves, like from framing to, you know, all the mechanical work to like wow. soup to nuts, doing everything ourselves. And I think that early on, like, I don't know if I ever thought that that was a good business model, but the, the, the bigger you scale up and certainly with this project, it just become, and one of the reasons why it's probably taken longer than like, say if a, prof- a professional developer or somebody who has more experience than me were to do this is like, we just did so much of it ourselves. Like, you know, like I had, uh, for a year and a half, like I had two, a guy working for me full time and like, we were the, con- we were the construction crew. So it was the two oh, of us wow. doing the work physically ourselves um, you know, so we'll be doing that in the morning, then you're doing the bookkeeping at night and then you're trying to do the lease, you know, negotiations. So it's like, you're trying to wear all the hats at one time. And I think the biggest learning and what I always tell myself is, you know, don't, don't do it all yourself. Right, and it's right. become kind of more and more apparent that it's like, you, it, it, a, it's like drives you crazy because you don't have enough hours in the day and it's just not, uh, it, it, it seems like you, you're saving money up front, but really it's just mm-hmm. you're, you're taking longer and you're not, you know, being, you're not doing like your highest and best use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, the, this project has really kind of made that very apparent for my, for my business and like where I want to take the business is like, I need to, I need to find people who I trusted to, to do some of the things that I'm doing myself now. So then, so what would you say, who are the three key people? that a newbie real estate developer needs to have on their team. Right. I think the most important person, and, and I think the, the model that, that Jumpstart has is uh, really is, is sets this up is, is just a, a real estate mentor. You know, you got to have somebody, there's so, many, it's, there's so many pitfalls in this business and there's so many ways to lose money and get stuck because it's not like, I mean, there's more and more playbooks and I think like the Jumpstart process tries to kind of, you know, flag where, where kind of the roadblocks mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. in the process. But having somebody, you know, on your team who's been there, done that, and, you know, you can, you can call. And also it's the person who, like, when you're having that, like, panic attack, when, you're, you know, your commercial tenant drops out the day before you go to the zoning board, who you can call and they, they can say, it's cool. Like, it's going to work Don't out. Panic. Don't right. panic. Like, we'll figure it out. Um, the best is when you can bring those people in as investors because then, you know, it's like having a, you know, you're setting up a, like, you're basically setting up a board for yourself where you can have, they're invested in the building. Um, and you know, they can give you advice and like that advice is they They want to give you that advice because it's pertinent to them, you know, their return on their investment. And so. that's huge because you, you had, um, said before when you and I talked over the phone, um, earlier this week that, uh, some of the people whose lawns you used to cut as a, as a right. teenager are now, yeah, um, I, I there's investors. A, there's right? a woman who, yeah, we used to cut all her lawn, the, all these Germantown properties. We actually bought, ended up buying a couple of buildings from her too when she wanted to say, to retire, when, mm-hmm. to retire from the real estate. Um, but yeah, like those long-term relationships are so important. And we, yeah, we cut these lawns for a long, long time. And yeah, she's in every real estate project I've ever done. She's been an investor in it. So, and you know, whenever I have a, a question about screening tenants or, you know, kind of how to think about how am I going to refinance the building? 
you know, she's just like one phone call away or we, we can go have, you know, a cup of coffee or something like that at McMenamin yeah. and, and kind of hash it out. So like having those resources, um, it just like that's a, just a critical part of, of being successful. And I don't think you can stress that enough. I mean, even though real estate is highly transactional, it is so relationship based right. to be successful. And I think a mistake that some newbie people make is when they're going after investors, they're just so focused on getting that money. Right. And they don't realize that, you know, you need to, uh, you know, if you hope to get more money, right. <laughs> more money from that person, you have to have a relationship with that person. Right. They might right. invest with you one time, but how did you make them feel? How did the, you know, in yeah, addition to the performance. Right. Communication is like such a critical and, you know, again, something I could do a better job of, but like taking pictures of construction, making sure like you're keeping people apprised of what you're doing. And it's like you want to see progress, no surprises. You know? Yeah, exactly. They're writing a big check. And then, and then you know, here you go. Here's your money. Um, you know, the worst case scenario is you run away with that money. So it's just like they want to people want to feel. Um, and I also think people want to feel like their money's going towards something that's making a difference. Exactly. So when you're kind of communicating both like, A, this is a financial benefit because, you know, we're making progress. But also you can see that that money's going towards something that's, you know, fixing a, a blighted building. Like that, that feels good. You know, that's like, that feels so much better than just putting your money in like a mutual fund or something like that, that, you know, who knows what that's, what that's doing. And it's like kind of that idea of putting capital back in the, in the community. Um and, and just effectively communicating that to investors, building the relationship over years. And, and it, it does take years to, to build those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's just, a, I think, a really important part of what we do. So would you say that's what you're most proud of um, with this current project? The fact that you are, you're building something that's going to have this ripple effect in the, yeah. in the neighborhood? I mean, I think it's just sharing the... Like the day, the day I'll be like really proud is I can when I live I live at this house above when I can come down, you know, from my house, come down the front steps, walk in the front door. There's a bustling coffee shop happening. I can have a cup of coffee, and that first day I can kind of look at it and say like, like I, I built this. I, I, I like I know what this took. Uh, that will be just like a moment of of just satisfaction, and it, it's not like I think it's just satisfaction for to be able to share. The difference between commercial and residential real estate is being able to to really have a community space and be able to share the space with others. And I've, we've always been really interested in like great materials and, and kind of a space that feels really good. And now that we can do it on the commercial side, I think being able to share that with the community is that's going to be the, like the, the biggest piece of satisfaction for me. So what what are your future plans? What's on the horizon for you? I mean, where do you see yourself in five years um, with regards to the real estate? Right. Uh, no we, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so as I said, like a lot of it's just for me and, and this year is uh, just kind of getting my act together. Kind of it's I'm at, I'm at a funny state where like 20 units is not enough where I can like have a full time property manager. Um, you kind of need to get to like the 50 unit range where mm-hmm. it's more like there's enough money to, to, you know, live a reasonable life and you're not making tons of money, but like you can exist and like have people to help you. So I'm at a kind of a funny position, but I, it's enough where like if you have a full-time job, then it's like, there's just two, there's not enough hours in a day to kind of manage it all. So I think the idea is to kind of the next phase is kind of get to that kind of critical mass of, of properties, um, where, you know, it's kind of like a sustainable business. So, and I, I always said, like, I, again, like I said, we're not trying to own 5,000 units. That's really not our goal. Our goal is to have, you know, 50 to 100 that, you know, are really high quality 
and you know we feel proud of the work that we've we've done. So. And and you want to stay definitely um, stay in Germantown. Just stay in Germantown. Yeah, okay. We, we, I mean, I think there's you lots of it. reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it. I grew up here, and I think there's lots of reasons from like the macro, like environment. When I look at different neighborhoods I, and I look at Germantown, I think there's a lot of. Um, there's good upside and it's been such a stable neighborhood for a long time um, that I think like it's, you know, there's like, there's downside protection too. So I, like, right. I, I think it's, uh, there's, there's only a good place to go for, for Germantown. And you start to see it. You start to it, see, this is like when we started out, there was no coffee shops. Two years ago, there was no coffee shops in Germantown. And now there's, th- now there'll be three um, and maybe more on the horizon. And not that, not that that's like the only um it's just kind of like it's that always that mix that makes any neighborhood interesting is like you need a, a mix of kind of commercial and residential and, and that's what makes it interesting right. to do right like we've always said forever there's just no place to there's no place to eat like there's no kind of second spaces mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or third sorry third spaces outside of home you know if you have home and work and germantown is kind of lacking that those community spaces where we can all go and play and, and have a beer or a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or some some good food and I think that's, you know, as those kind of continue to emerge, and hopefully it's done like like Jumpstart, where a lot of that stays within the community, then, you know, that we're making a much more interesting, vibrant neighborhood. Completely random question. If there were a zombie apocalypse, right. and you could only grab one tool <laughs> from your toolbox, what would it be and why? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I think a hammer is the most obvious. So okay. Like, that's good defense. Uh and what's that expression, you know, somebody who has a hammer, everything that they see is a nail or something right. like that or whatever. Right. So, okay. So, Walt, this has been a really great conversation, really fun talking to you. Um, one of the things that really impressed me about you is your perseverance. And I don't know if you think that you have grit, but I think you do. I think you have grit. Thank and you. I was looking, as I was prepping for this interview, I was looking for like a definition of grit. And this is what I found. Grit is that extra something that separates the most successful people from the rest. It's passion, it's perseverance, it's stamina uh, that we have to channel in order to stick with our dreams until they become a reality. So we're out of time, but thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. If people want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way that people can can find you, can connect with you? I mean, I, that's always a good question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're on the move. I, you can always drop by. I'm at, I'm at the building quite a bit. Say the address um, again. 5901 Wayne Avenue. Uh, I, I, I would, I, we don't have a company website. You can find us on Facebook at Walter King. You can always drop me a line there. And, yeah, I mean, maybe I, maybe the next step will be we'll, we'll, get, uh, we'll get a website up so people can drop us lines there as well. Okay. Well, great. Well, yeah, we definitely want to have you back on the show um, um, perhaps later in the summer just to hear how things are going. Right. So, yeah, so we're out of time. And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I'll be back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. with another interview. So until then, have a great weekend, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.